Good morning. We have breaking news results from the state of Pennsylvania. Those results are in right now. And based on what we are seeing there, we can say that Joseph Robinette Biden Jr. is on track to win the state of Pennsylvania, become the 46th president of the United States. CNN projects Joseph R. Biden Jr. is elected the 46th president of the United States, winning the White House and denying President Trump NBC a second News now projects that Joe Biden has won the Keystone State, Pennsylvania, and its 20 electoral votes. And that means we can now project that former Vice President Joe Biden has been elected president of the United States. He is president-elect. This is a fraud on the American public. This is an embarrassment to our country. We were getting ready to win this election. Frankly, we did win this election. So our goal now is to ensure the integrity Perfect. You got a guy from Halifax. You got a guy from Liverpool getting together to to chat shit about an American election that really doesn't impact us. But I mean, at the end of the day, it does, man. It's yeah, yeah, it does, yeah. But I know what you mean it's still an outside of you, which is great. Yeah, and I think that they appreciate that too. You know, it's not a country that's I, I I don't call them egotistical the same way a lot of other people do. I think they're egotistical in the sense that history has kind of gone their way. Mm-hmm. Um, but but I think that they they feel a pride in the fact that their election is kind of this number one news story all over the world. Everybody's eyes are on it. They're so invested in it um, politically, socially, and, and just in terms of entertainment. I guess that's really the best place to start. Like, where did you, where and how did you get into American politics? Like I said, you're, you're a guy from Liverpool and, and you came to Canada how many years ago? Two, 18 months ago. There you go. So like, so was your interest in American politics, was it, was it something that you already had over there or did it just really grow exponentially when you came to Canada? Well, I studied uh, politics at university, actually. So, and I, I kind of, any, any opportunity to specialize down the American politics route I took. Um, it's just more, I just find it more, it's more, far more interesting. It's, more, it's a fascinating <laughs> environment. Uh, there's so much going on. And I just find it so much more interesting than UK politics, for example, or even Canadian, Canadian politics. Like having just been here for an election, it was very... Um, low-key and civilized and, and and that was lovely but as an observer it's nice to watch the the, the madness that is a u.s election <laughs> so i guess how does that work uh, in terms of you potentially being able to vote in our elections like were you able to vote in the uk elections was that even in the last 18 months i'm really ignorant with how things work over there it was like, it, it yeah. was 2019 december okay. 20 so it's only just coming up to a year i can still vote in the uk elections for uh, 15 years i think after oh, i leave the country wow. so wow. yeah so it's um I wasn't there for the for the election, but that was also quite a crazy one. And the f- few years prior to the election were quite, you know, Brexit was dominating. You've got um, Trump's influence on the US, UK elections and Boris Johnson and all that. So, you know, there was a, not quite as, as uh, 
crazy as the US elections, but you know, it's still still a lot going on in the UK. And then, like I said, I was over in Canada for theirs, and it was, uh, um, yeah, just very, very quiet and very civilized and very rational, which well, is nice, actually. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that is kind of what it is. I mean, I, I know we have a section of people in our country that hate Justin Trudeau, but you know, there, there's there's mostly a civilized manner to how our politics works, and I think it's because of. The, the amount of options and choices we have. And I know that's similar in the UK, but I find the politics is, is a lot more ingrained in society. Do you yeah. think that, um, and before we get to your blog, because I, I want to talk about your blog because it was a fantastic little read before the election, but um, I am still so curious in, in British politics. Like, do you think that as much as the conservative shift in America kind of impacted it in the UK, do you think that maybe the liberal shift will start to happen? Or, or how does that work in the UK? Is it liberal, conservative? Is there something in between like we have here in Canada? Uh, well, the two dominant parties in the UK are the Conservatives and Labour, which who are more like uh, the Canadian NDP party, probably, with a, a kind of in between the okay. Liberals and NDP. And there's an actual Liberal party, which is, tends to be the biggest third party in the UK. It's, I would say that it's not as right wing in the UK as the US. So like, Liberals and Labour are, are not too dissimilar from. Well, I'd say the Democrats are probably more like the Conservatives in the UK, whereas the Republicans are far to the right of the Conservatives. Okay. Or and certainly until Boris Johnson got his hands on the party, anyway. <laughs> now it's probably a bit more balanced. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, hopefully the, the the events in the states will impact in the UK, but it's going to be it's four years until the next UK election. So there's oh, a long man. time to go. So it's not like there's any opportunity for that to manifest itself anytime soon. We don't have an election coming up to make, to see how that's going to impact. Yeah, it's, 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 we've just had one. So I think it's going to be a while before we see that. But you know, there's, there's issues around Brexit and um, how Joe Biden said that if Boris Johnson is going to be ripping up deals he's already made with Europe, he's not going to prioritize the US-UK trade deal. And that's, all, that's going to be a big factor because with Britain ripping up the every trade agreement they have, really, because they all went through the EU, they're going to have to renegotiate every single one of them. And the prize one was the US. And while Trump was in power, that was fine because Trump would you know, look favorably on that. But Biden said, no, you've got to behave yourself, basically, if you want to get a good trade deal from us. So who was who was the fellow that was with Trump? Do you think that uh, the, the politician that he he had with him there the last day of the, the, the election? I'm so ignorant with British politics. It's terrible. Who was that guy? Nigel Farage. So that's his he's, name. Mr. Yeah. Brexit. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's his name. So he's like to the right of the Conservative Party. So that's more the direct equivalent of Trump. He's uh, okay. He was a big driver of Brexit. So do you, do you, um, you, were, you were just talking about like what, everything you were just saying with Biden. Do you think that was why Trump had him just randomly on the trails? Like, do you think it was like a direct troll? Well, it's, it was a strange one because yeah, I, I get what you're saying. It could be a way to troll, you know, Biden, but barely anyone in the US knows who Nigel Farage is. So it's not like he was going to swing votes in uh North Carolina or wherever he was on the trail. It was like, here's, here's my buddy Nigel Farage. And everyone's like, oh, right. I don't know who this is. <laughs> it wasn't, it, there was no political uh, purpose to having him there, really, that I yeah. could see. It was yeah. a strange one. Yeah. But I, I just do, I just kind of threw that in because it just popped in my head because I remember when I, I, I work with NBC through Comcast and like I was just literally sitting there watching. 12 hour election coverage. And then even when I was off after the 12 hours, sometimes I was still peaking. And 
it was yeah. such a strange one because I remember hearing the name and I was just like, I know this guy. This is the Brexit dude, I think, isn't it? Yeah. <laughs> Why the hell is he stomping with Trump? This doesn't make it, any sense to me. But... It was strange. And he's, he's also had to be, he, he was given special dispensation to, to get a visa into the US because obviously you're supposed to be isolating for two weeks, but he just comes and goes as he pleases. And it's, 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 it, it made as much sense as a lot of the things that Trump did in his campaign, i.e. not a lot. But so, so he's not even in any sense of power. Like he would have been running against no. Boris. Yeah, he, he did. They He briefly ran as a third party in order to force Boris Johnson to go towards a harder Brexit. And then ah. when, when Boris Johnson did that fraudge, sort of quit the party and you know it, he was basically there as like a, a to, to force him down a certain route mm. kind um, of like a social literal social politician like i'm here just to push an ideology now the ideology's much. there i'm out yeah yeah sad. very much he doesn't really seem to do much other than that but you know he's an influential guy in terms of what he's affected like brexit is largely down to him and you know that's a pretty big achievement from in his mind so yeah yeah, but US is influenced in the US, not so much. <laughs> <laughs> Facts. Well, getting to your influence in politics, politics influencing you, worded that completely wrong. Uh, DavidRobbo.medium.com, <laughs> I believe is what the blog is. Yeah, David, DavidRobbo.medium.com. Yeah. yeah, so I, I, it's, it's something I do every now and then is, yeah. is blogging. Um, it's, I, I, I'm a, like probably yourself, I, I, I digest politics all day long <laughs> you know through social media and all that and that's a u.s elections are great for that because there's always a million different viewpoints to listen to and everyone's talking about it and it's uh, yeah i tried to incorporate some of that into into the blog i tried to do it so that people who don't necessarily know a lot about politics can maybe understand it a little bit i, I try not to go too geeky on it because that's that's very easy to do if you but, you know when you when you know a lot about that was You're, my favorite. You show a lot of interest in it, but you know, not everyone yeah. has that. So, yeah, no, no one that sort of cut you off. Like that was my favorite part of the read. Was it was just a, it was a good quick dose of a, like a summary of of just kind of not to say the U.S. election for idiots, but it yeah. was really a dumbed down again. Not to be disrespectful to you, but you simplified it for for a lot of people just to kind of break it down where they could look at the map and realize, yeah. okay, this matters at this time, and then I can wait two hours because nothing else is going to happen until 9 p.m. So, yeah, um, yeah, I found it was like, it was, it was that like the goal of the article at the very beginning, or did you just kind of write it that way? And then when you read it over, you were like, you know what, this is perfect. I'm going to leave it here. I think I did it. There was a bit of intent there because I get a lot of people who, you know, friends from back in the UK who, who understand that, you know, this is a big deal. The US election is a big deal. They, but they might not necessarily know the intricacies of, of what, happens and how things happen in the US and it is like a very unique sort of uh, political system so I was like well you know if anyone wants to I'll, I'll try and explain a little bit from what not from my knowledge of how it works in a simplified way that was kind of the goal I think just uh, you know it's I, I, I'm sure I could have written something very geeky and very intricate but that wasn't i didn't want to do that for this uh i wanted to get some people to actually read it <laughs> you're saving you're saving that for me everybody's going to turn it off here now they're going to be like okay now they're going to get into this uh this I don't political combo. <laughs> i guess the, i guess we'll jump into almost like at the start of the blog you, you were you were kind of breaking down the social issues really really well and and one of the ones that kind of sucked was in louisiana where they passed the abortion law um we were talking about how the battle for the senate is really really important battle for the house didn't really lean as far left as they thought 
But um, do you think that in terms of Trump's last four years, even though he's gone now, that he's planted enough of a seed that some of these conservative values are going to find a permanent place in America again? I I do, yeah, because, you know, the the major thing that he did was put three Supreme Court justices on the on the bench and and he's completely changed the makeup of the supreme court so they like tomorrow um but i'm not sure when the blog's going out but it, tomorrow from when we're doing the blog the supreme court will be hearing a case on uh, obamacare and you know with it being more conservative they could strike that down you know removing healthcare for millions of people in the middle of a pandemic you know and that's, that's a it's a it's a very powerful thing that he's done by completely changing the makeup of the court uh, and all, all, all the judges down in the, like the states as well, the federal judges, he, he's put hundreds of them on the bench. So that's going to have, have a big impact for a lot of years. Even if the con- a lot of the country doesn't agree with some of the things that they're going to do, because, uh, you know, abortion is, uh, access to abortion is a popular policy in the UK, in the US, sorry. Um, even in a lot of conservative states, you know, there's a lot of people who shout loud about it. But actually, when you do look at the, Poland, most people support access to abortion. But when you've got your people in the right places, which is what the Republicans have done very well, you can implement unpopular policies. And some of them are going to be socially conservative ones, like taking abortion rights away, etc. And also, you know, it's just how loud a voice Trump was for four years and, and how he's empowered a lot of people yeah. who who may have been quiet about these things in the past, but now they're not anymore. Yeah. So that's going to entrench some of these, uh, these policies going forward as well, and I think. And, and it's just going to go away. <laughs> that's just it. And I, I've been saying that to everybody, like, you know, I, I'm not trying to quote unquote, give the man credit, but if you're going to try to look at it from a neutral standpoint and say, you know, what was the success of the Trump administration? It was that in four years, he was able to implement a lot of ideas. And it seems like he's, he's almost put a new sod on what American uh, general society in America is. And, and we saw with the voting numbers in the election, still yeah. over 70 million people voted for him. So absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. So it, like you said, it's not going away. And I guess that kind of leads into my next thing in terms of Trumpism. Do you believe in it? And, and do you think that it has a, a part to play in the next four years? Do you think that I guess it kind of remains within the Republican sphere? Or do you think that that's potentially the first genuine third party um, to make an impact in American politics, because like I've been saying to everybody, if these guys gang up in the next four to eight years and decide to make a mega party, that's going to take a dent out of the voter base. So yeah. I guess what's your what's your thoughts on that? Well, it's interesting that, you know, you call it Trumpism, but I don't think Trump actually believes an awful lot of what he, I don't think Trump <laughs> tend to, I don't think he really had strong political views on a lot of, he had some, but I think he was just smart in shouting about things that he knew would uh the 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 right people would be able to help him get in power uh and you know he looked at the tea party and and all that sort of stuff that was going on he was like okay well if i promise this this and this to these people and if i act this way i can create this sort of base uh and it worked very well i think he's a bit smarter than probably than people give him credit for you know a a lot of how he acted is is deliberate not just because he's stupid well said it's it was uh you know and and i saw that in the uk with farage as well it's it's a similar process of how that all happened so yeah i don't know what's gonna be interesting next is how the republicans react like are they gonna continue down the trump route um or uh, are the i guess the more moderate voice is gonna be 
thinking, okay, well, we need to get our party back to towards the centre, and mm. uh, is that going to cause divides in the Republican Party? You know, when you, which you, you know, you've you've had such a troubled uh, presidency, um, there's often a big fallout from that. Yeah. Um, so that's going to be interesting, and that and in so much as Trumpism exists, I, I can see the Republicans sticking with that mostly because a lot of the people who've come into the Senate and the House over the last few years are his people. It's certainly not become a more moderate party. It's yeah. gone completely the other way. So yeah. um, I can certainly see it sticking around for a while, for sure. Uh, I guess wild prediction number one before we move on. Uh, does Ivanka or Junior run in the next four years? <laughs> Actually, and, and a bonus one, Jared Kushner. I think there's going to be a lot of calls for them too. It, it, I I can't see the next four years that there's going to be a lot of legal, you know, battles going on. Yeah. It depends on how they come out of it. If they come out of it smelling of roses, then okay, fine. One of them may run. Um, I, I certainly not junior. I think he's a bit too polarizing. I think you might want to go for one of the other two, if like Ivanka or Jared. But yeah, I I. I'm not even sure they would want to stick around into politics. I think that the, there's going to be options for them to make money elsewhere, you know, that, and influence elsewhere. That was something right. I was talking about somebody or talking to somebody about uh, the other day. Like, you know, this was still one of the best adverts for like the Trump brand. There's going to be opportunities for them, whether it's within politics or outside of politics. The world is almost at their feet, even though this wasn't the most successful presidency for the majority of the American people yeah. as they voted. And as most of the world, their opinion would be shared. Um, There seems to still be a place for them in the world. So I I kind of agree with you to an extent, but I also kind of feel like, you know, striking where where the iron is hot. Do you have an idea where you think the Republican Party could go? Like, does somebody like a Candace Owens or a Tucker Carlson or somebody crazy like that come into play? Uh, I mean, again, they're not going anywhere. And they're... I think I think that the point you just made about the Trump brand is really important. So I think that's why Trump got into this in the first place. I don't think he was ever expecting to win, but he wanted to enhance his brand, and that's now had a rocket attached to it. And is you know he spent four years with the biggest megaphone in the world, and, and you know the likes of Candace and Tucker Carlson, a lot of the the sort of people around his sphere. Uh, I think is I think this is all about a media channel moving forward, and I think that's why you see him attacking Fox quite a lot now because he's trying to make yeah. space to the right of Fox, yeah. which is it seems very scary for you know people in other countries because yeah. everyone looks at Fox and we're like, oh my god. But <laughs> I think he's trying to create a space to the right of that, and those voices will be part of that media channel that he I think he'll end up creating. It it may look it may make the likes of Ivanka and Jared look reasonable next to them That's, so yeah good point you know it's a comparative thing you know compared to donald they both do look kind of sane yeah. <laughs> you know their voices of calm and voices of reason you know they're not really but that's how they look compared to him so i think that's going to be a factor in the next few years all right well know? so that's that's going to be interesting and that, that might make them look a bit more popular it's actually kind of a, I, I didn't really think about it that way, actually, before I move on to the next point, because it just kind of like popped in my head. It is almost kind of like a game of chess and you're just throwing a piece out to set up getting rid of the other piece. You know, you put somebody wild next to one of these guys and it does make one of the Trump brand look a little more sane compared to the father. Um, I don't know about Junior, but yeah. like you were saying, Kushner or maybe Ivanka, it just makes sense. Yeah. And I think that I, I just don't see the Republican Party bailing on them anytime soon, because I still think the iron is hot. I still think that 
in terms of conservatives, most of them are looking at the Trump brand as still something that they can get behind. So um, it'll be interesting to see what happens in the next four years, because I think it lives and dies in the next four years. I honestly do. I, I think that if there, if there isn't that push to get them back in in the next four years, and even in two years, like the midterms, you could yeah. see some pieces of the puzzle, you know, still follow that, that Trump QAnon whole lane of people, if you will. Um, yeah. You know, it'll be very interesting to see how it develops. Um, if they lose again in four years or two years, then there's trouble for yeah. them because, you know, you can't keep losing and have no questions asked. But if they have a successful midterms in a couple of years based on that, then you might look at, you know, a strong challenge from someone in that sphere in four years. I think that, I think that's a good point. I'm a Steven Crowder watcher every once in a while. I'm not his biggest fan, but I'll, I'll watch his show because, you know, for all his wild antics, he really gets his point across quite well. And that was one of the things he was talking about now is people are starving for alternative media. And the majority yeah. of alternative media right now is conservative media. So yeah, yeah. Um, in the next two to four years, it is going to be really interesting to see how much that voter base that Trump really developed this year survives, because that's, in my opinion, why the House kind of maintained its space this year, because there were a lot of predictions, as you put in your article, that the, the Democrats could have picked up anywhere from half a dozen seats to, 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 to ten. Like it, it, there was a chance that it could have shifted even more blue than it did two years ago. So yeah, yeah. Um, I, it'll be really interesting to see where the, the red end of things go over the next two to four years, for sure. Oh, absolutely. I, I guess uh, moving on to part of your piece you were talking about was, you know, how Joe Biden is kind of more upstanding in, in international society, more or less, because he was riding shotgun with Mr. O. Obama and they had a pretty good uh, standing with the world. Even with their enemies, there seemed to be a lot of peace. I know that there's some places that people could talk about. And that's another conversation for another show. Yeah. Um, but, you know, where do you think that the United States initially stands when Joe Biden goes into office in a few months? Well, if I, I got to say if still, uh, <laughs> we'll get into that later. Um, yeah. but, but, you know, uh, if slash when it happens, where do you think the United States stands in terms of international diplomacy? Well, I mean, it's an automatic, in, in that sense, from an international perspective, it's an automatic upgrade because that was a big feature of Trump's presidency was, you know, falling out with allies, you know, all these international institutions that, you know, the U, US has been a major part of for years and years. He was like weakening them or removing their membership or whatever. So, you know, in turn, that's why he was not a popular president from abroad. There's a couple of countries that liked him, but like, if you look at the polls done in like Canada, for example, it was like 80% of Canadians wanted uh, Biden to win. Yeah. <laughs> and, it's, it's and it was crazy UK. too, because it was like, uh, I remember uh, one of the polls I read, it was still like 60% in Alberta of all yeah, places. Which, I thought even I Alberta would have been like, yeah, Trump. But no, yeah. they, they, like even one of the polls they did, there was like 60%. Um, yeah, wanted to see Trump out of office, and and I think even people that only wanted to see wanted to see Trump stay. I think it was still only like twenty five percent because the rest were like undecided or don't care. Right? <laughs> exactly, so, there's not there's only a few. See how like um, he was so unpopular in places where conservatism was growing still because he was such a doofus at times. Yeah, and and you know it's it's a lot of the stuff he did in his private life was like a bit of is opposite to what a lot of conservatives are like. But you know, from I think the first few days of his Biden presidency he's gonna he said he's already gonna rejoin the World Health Organization the Paris you know uh, accords Um, there'll be less attacks on NATO and weakening of those relationships so that automatically will put them in in better standing 
and the US consequently in better standing abroad. You know, there'll be no sat there with your arms folded in front of Angela Merkel. Yeah, there'll be none of that. It'll be it'll be back to you know a, a more i guess a more rational and standard way of doing things and you know and a lot of it depends who he brings on you know you you just mentioned that his relationship with the obamas i'm sure they're going to be a bit more active in the next few years and maybe not in an official role i can't you know it won't be secretary of state barack obama or anything but you know everyone knows that if you're speaking to barack he's going to be talking on behalf of joe because they're so close so you know that that and Barack Obama's popularity around the world is going to help Joe Biden there as well. So, um, yeah, I think I think for for sure the internet the international reputation of the U.S. is going to get a short term bump. Now, in terms of you were just talking about how Trump is kind of in bed with the dictators in a strange way. You know, not all of them, but you know, he seemed to kind of buddy up to a few of them. In some ways, I'm not even going to lie to you, uh, there, there were some admirable links he made, and I know this doesn't sound very good morally to say on air, and I will still keep this on my show because this is just the way I am. Um, <laughs> I, I kind of felt like in some cases, his my way or the highway stance actually created some international diplomacy that was very important. On the other hand, he tore down so many walls. He's created a game of Jenga where all the blocks are basically on ones and twos right now. In yeah. terms of his relationships with the dictators, do you think Joe Biden tries to continue some of the conversations with the likes of North Korea, for example, to try to continue, um, I suppose, the friendship that Trump has developed with these countries? Or are we potentially on the brink of maybe some conflict that the country hasn't seen, um, ironically, during the Trump era? Well, I, I don't think there's going to be the same level of friendship and, and all that, but you, I think you're exactly right. I think Trump has, like, he, he shook up the traditional way of doing things. And in doing so, he, you know, he's left relationships very different than when he took office. North Korea is a good one. Um, some of the stuff he, he's managed to get, uh, regardless of the reasons why he did it, there's there's now relationships between Israel and and some of the, Arab countries that and that's very different from four years ago or you know any time in the past so I think it there will be there's now opportunities for whoever comes in and it's going to be you know Joe Biden to to change the way the direction things are going but I don't think he's going to like revert back to the way things were like shutting off North Korea and you know, in some times, like you'll re, reinstate the Iran nuclear thing. So that's going to be an automatic improvement in relations. But then, you know, that'll piss Israel off. And then, you know, there's some countries that the, the relationships won't be as good with. I can't see him buddying up with Bolsonaro. Um, we've already mentioned briefly the relationship with the UK is probably not going to be as good because Biden and Johnson are not going to get on very well over a lot of issues. Um, but it's it's a very different world because of Trump. I, a lot, you know, he's a big factor in it at least. So Biden's going to have to figure out a way to work within all that, uh, and that's going to be a fascinating next few years in that sense to see how those things shake up. And I'm really interested to see like just the entire cabinet, the entire staff, like who you were just talking about the Obamas. Like, does Michelle have a place potentially in the staff? Like, not Barack per se, but. You know, maybe she could be, I don't want to say like a defense secretary or, or, or secretary of state. You know, or a senior position. Like or, but a senior position. Yeah. yeah, you know what I mean? Like there's there's an opportunity, I think, to not so much continue a friendship with these countries, but 
use the weird peace that Trump created to maybe build a bridge which keeps peace. Yeah, possibly. It's strange entirely, to talk about, like, isn't it? It is. It's. I mean, maybe, maybe that's. You could almost argue maybe that's what some of these relationships needed was uh, someone to come in and just like shake the the snow globe up and see see how it all fell back down. Because, yeah. you know, beforehand the whatever the US was doing with the likes of North Korea wasn't really producing any results. It was just stalemate. So it is kind of interesting uh, to see what happens next, but. I think, you know, you just touched on, you know, cabinet appointments and all that. And the, the problem that Biden's going to have is cabinet appointments, most of them are Senate confirmable. And because he didn't win the Senate or hasn't yet, and then there's still a chance he might, but he's going to need Republican support to get some of his cabinet posts through now. So I don't think he's going to be able to get through some of the people he wanted to. You know, Mitch McConnell's now in a position still yeah. of a lot of power. He can He can veto certain cabinet appointments or you know demand his people you know be given roles and that's going to be interesting because that how's that going to affect relationships going forward you know yeah and i mean we'll we'll, we'll get to that at the end of the show because the uh the runoffs in january uh it's almost like the the after party of this election because what's (laughs) happening in georgia is 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 actually going to be very interesting for everything you were just talking about um i guess switching back to more domestic terms uh, you you really touched on how before the uh, election happened, how the campaigns were very different. The contrasts, how how Biden was really into the whole COVID thing and and was very safe and 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 really took the opportunity to to be more remote and to, and and in some ways I think touched more Americans in a strange way. Not to say that literally because somebody's going to get me on that one. <laughs> I have some friends that'll be like, oh, Chris, you called him, you called him." Out. I'm sure. Out. Yeah, I'm sure you will. I'm sure I, I've got them as well. That or I'll edit that one out. Um, but but more or less, what I'm saying is is uh, the campaigning. I think in the end may have came back to haunt Trump. Um, it's it's coming out right now. He's he's platforming the fraud which he's more or less platformed for the last two months and uh, yeah. delegitimized mail-in voting as much as he could. Um, a friend of mine actually asked me a question. I didn't really have the answer for it. And I figured it was a really good question to ask you today, even though I had all these questions lined up. I was like, I'll slip this one in because I think it's a good question. <laughs> um, hypothetically speaking, of course, do you think if Trump, I suppose, embraced the mail-in vote more that he could have potentially won this thing? Or do you think that his base was exhausted at that point, that he, the, the numbers that he's going to get was it? Or do you think that he may have cost himself um, some of the key states by not accepting mail-in ballots? Like people stayed at home because they, you know, they, they, they well, just didn't want to wait in line. Got to say, I don't necessarily agree with that, only because, it, you know, if you look at the record, the, the turnout for both candidates it was massive, even though he delegitimized that, you know, I think most Republicans did turn out on election day. I think the bigger issue of where he'd shot himself in the foot was a lot of his, a lot of the people who've died through the, uh, through COVID are maybe some of his, his natural base, you know, there's a couple of hundred thousand lost there in some of them in swing States, you know, my, and my not, buddy, not just, my buddy said that was Georgia. I'm like, sure Georgia. I don't know how many people have died in Georgia, but if you look at the margins, um, and it's not just um, it's not just the people who've died. Like big surprise was how many uh, older people were switching back to Biden. And it's because you know a lot of them would have seen their friends and their you know relatives die, 
And if that hadn't have happened, if Trump had got a hold on COVID, he might have, I think that, that would have had a bigger impact on him, possibly William. But, you know, that wasn't his way. He wanted to, you know, do things his own way. I think as election day was approaching, I think he knew he couldn't win yeah. the Electoral College. So that's why he's, uh, that's why you got a lot of uh, attacks on the legitimacy of the election and yeah. mail-in voting and, you know, all that sort of stuff because he was, preparing for what he's doing now which is like to to say oh voter fraud election fraud that was that was his way to try and keep office um so i think i think he i i think he knew he wasn't going to win so that's why he's done that i don't think the mail-in votes would have made much difference to his vote tally to be honest so what leg do you think he has to stand on in terms of this whole, <laughs> I know I, I giggle too when I think about it, but you know, like I said, I, I watch Crowder, I watch Shapiro. I, I do watch these conservative guys just because even yeah. though I disagree with them most of the time, they're presentable. Um, they're very eloquent with what they say and they know what they're saying. And it makes me do some research and sometimes it makes me change my mind. Most of the times I'm just laughing like you just did. Yeah. Um, but a lot of these guys still seem to think that this thing's not over. And, and, and I do tend to agree to an extent, you know, when CNN and NBC and all these places say, you know, president elect Biden, you know, on one hand, yeah, finally, you know, it's over. He's the president elect. On the other hand, there is a legal precedent that still has to come into play. And Trump has already kind of warned that this is going to get to some sort of uh, judiciary point. I, I guess what leg do you think they have to stand on and how far can they take this? I, I don't really think they have much of a leg to stand on. Only because I think if it had come down to one state, like it did with uh, Bush v. Gore, you know, where it all came down to Florida and there was literally hundreds of votes between them, then... Trump might have had a chance, but this, even if he, even if by some miracle he can change, you know, get Pennsylvania, I guess, is like, you know, one or two states, but he's still going to be way behind in the electoral college. It's four or five states he needs to to prove there was voter fraud in. And so far, he's not had any evidence. And I think even a lot of people in his own party, like today, the two Georgia senators have like called on the, um, the, the Republican head of elections in Georgia to resign because of vote fraud. And he's come out and said, there is no vote fraud. You've not provided any evidence. I'm not standing down. I was elected to do this job, you know? And I think, I think they're, the danger is they're pushing a lot of their own people away from them as well. You know, the, 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 the hardcore Trump supporters will stick with the president and they'll, they'll, they'll lap up the voter fraud angle, but there's still a lot of people in a Republican party who, okay, they went along with Trump, you know, but they, they, they're still not, they're not going to go to the end of the earth with him. They're not going to, you know, st- stand there at the end and say, we do not accept this, this election. Yeah. I don't, I think that's a big step for a lot of people. And I think it's not just going to be the ones you would expect, you know, you, you, you Mitt Romney's and your Lisa Murkowski's and all that. They, and your George W. Bush's, they didn't like Trump anyway, but there's going to be some people even close to him who were going to be like, hold on. And I think there's been talk already of like um, Jared and Ivanka and, and Melania even just saying to him, listen, you've got to, at some point you might have to just accept this. Um, I mean, there's already talk about he, he's talking about running in 2024. Yeah, I just read um, that one when like, right yeah. before, like I was just outside smoking my joint and I just saw it come up in my news on Google. I was like, exactly. oh, I have to talk to my guy, Dave, about this. <laughs> so is there is like he can do that? Like, I didn't think that was possible, but I guess it is like as long as he doesn't serve two full terms, he can run again. He can. I don't think he I think 
that's probably his mindset at the moment. I think he'd be too old to be honest. But the good thing about him talking about it now is that in order for him to want to do that, he would have to accept that he lost this one. So maybe that's a change. Maybe that's a, that's a sign he's changing his own mindset and maybe accepting that he might have lost. They're going to push the next month, or so they're going to push all the legal challenges. But I don't think, from everything I've been reading, that he's going to win any of those legal challenges. So I don't think the Supreme Court will hear any of them because, in order for the Supreme Court to hear him, it needs to get through stages before that. And I don't think, without any evidence of anything, is yeah, you know, and mo- and I don't think any recount has ever changed the vote by more than a couple of hundred votes yeah. in any state ever and he's tens of thousands of votes behind in most of the states he needs to flip so recounts aren't really going to help him too much and trump's great at saying i'm gonna provide this i'm gonna provide this he keeps saying it. he was saying it for years about his healthcare plan yeah. um, he was saying it with his tax returns i'm gonna i'm gonna release these and he's like now he's like i'm gonna release this evidence about voter fraud yeah. and he, he never actually does it but he always talks about it yeah. and i think that's what you know the that's what's going to happen with the evidence of voter fraud. Because well, he says a lot really of things. <laughs> he just says a lot of things. Like, he, yeah, it was like he has no traction half the time. Right. And like, I, I, yeah. I, I'm not a big fan of the man. I don't call myself a Trump hater, but I'm certainly not a Trump fan. But one of the things that I certainly don't like about him is that he's a motor mouth, you know, well, the I bleach thing. Dave, yeah. Well, the bleach thing is yeah. great. Cause it's what I was just going to say is I don't know if you saw Dave Chappelle's yeah. um, SNL opening and it was great. Cause he's talking about that. He was like, He's like Trump just stood there on uh, in an interview and then just started thinking about oh I wonder if we could uh, cure COVID by you know bleach and sunshine straight into my body and he was like that's that's amazing that someone decided to just think on his feet like well, that it's, it's, <laughs> that it is fascinating like it, it's 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 strange like we may never see this again Trump's no. transparency was awkwardly refreshing the man tweeted his literal instant thought for yeah. the entire world to see and read. And it was and a most- that's why people liked him. Yeah, and that's, that's exactly, exactly it. Yep, that's, yeah. that's a very good point. That's, I think there was an attraction to the entertainment he was providing, and we were talking about it at the very beginning of the show. Um, there's, there is an entertainment to this as much as you hate to say it. And Trump knew how to mm-hmm. trigger that perfectly. And yeah. he hates Twitter, yeah. but he uses it more, I think, than he, he you know, I, I, breathes. Like, you know, he's, <laughs> there's death taxes, Trump tweeting, like those are the guarantees in life. And, yeah. um, you know, it'll actually be really interesting to see what they do with him going forward. I know they were saying that there's a lot of laws now that will be extended towards him because he's not the president of the United States. Yeah. He um, loses his immunity for yeah, a lot more of or less. Yeah. yeah. Mm. So it'll be really interesting to see. Um, but like, you know, we were just saying there's, there's a seed that's been planted that that's not going away anytime soon. And, and there's a base of people that are going to continue to tweet like Trump. So yeah, it'll be really be interesting saying- to see how that censorship, and I, I hate to use that word sometimes because I do find sometimes you should censor some of these fools because it's yeah. their intent. Yeah. I'm a hundred percent freedom of speech. I'm also a hundred percent intention of speech. And yeah, I feel like absolutely. What's, what's happening right now is. The, the argument against censorship is that everybody should be able to say everything. And I'm like, well, maybe it's the intent behind the words. And we did, there's never, there's no such thing as absolute freedom of speech anyway, True. because you know, there's responsibility with freedom of speech. You can't just go, you can't walk into an airport and shout bomb. You can't walk up to a police officer and start racially abusing them because there are consequences because, you know, freedom of speech comes with responsibility. So, and, and that's the thing about sharing, conspiracy theories and fake news and i'd I'd hate to use that word because that's his term but you know and 
but he, he uses it more than anything. He does it more than anyone else. And that's it. You know, there's a responsibility on the com- the social media companies to manage that as well. When it's and they have been recently. A lot of his tweets in the last couple of weeks have been flagged immediately by yeah. Twitter as saying that this isn't true or this is disputed or whatever yeah. it might be. Or at least so give it some time. Like that. That's my thing. Like, okay, Donald, if you have the proof, give it time. You yeah. are the president. You have all the legal rights and precedents to at least begin this process. If you have the proof for once in your life, bro, just shut up. <laughs> yeah. And that's the thing. You need to have the proof. Yeah. He without has to have the proof. It, without it, what's he got? That, that's, why say, that's why I say I don't think he's going to have a leg to stand on. Yeah. Because he doesn't have, well, he's certainly not provided any evidence so far. Yeah. And I don't think there is any evidence out there. It's the so, new. It's the new weapons of mass destruction. <laughs> Social Pre- media Pre- yeah. prematurely declared victory, and then yeah. fraud is the new weapons of mass destruction. But um, yeah, you know, I think it's. I think it's a. It's. It's pretty. It's pretty safe to say that the majority of that country, regardless of how many people voted for him, are are happy that he should be seeing the door. Um, but you know, he's got a, a a small group of people, and you were just talking about, and it's perfect segue for my second last question of the show: um, the contradictions of the Trump era. Like the man just openly lied, the man just openly contradicts. And you know, one of the really funny things that's been happening over the last couple of days is how his supporters in Pennsylvania have been saying to stop the count. Meanwhile, in Arizona <laughs> yeah. and Nevada, his supporters are screaming to keep on motherfucking counting. Um, so, you know, do, do you think that his legacy is not just beyond lying, but almost a rebirth of propaganda? Well, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of the people around him, and like I said to you earlier, I think he's a lot smarter than he lets on because I think a lot of it is intentional. And certainly a lot of the people around him understand what he's doing and his lying and his shouting on social media and his controversy all serve the purpose. And I think that that the atmosphere that that's created in America isn't going away. That's a legacy that he's going to have. He's going to have a divided... Uh, America's always been quite divided, but you know they—it was within boundaries, and those boundaries have just been blown away now. Um, and with with regards to propaganda, like I said to you, I think you—I think his next move is into a media, um, yep. you know, a new media company, a new news channel, or a new whatever it might be, and then you're going to see a lot of propaganda because it's going to be Trump TV, and it's going to be everything we've seen for the last four years. But you know, on this on its own news channel, um, which we right, interesting right to see what Fox News does to combat that because they're, they're it's going to take up a lot of their space. You know, well, Fox the, News going to swing back to the center. You're already seeing it, and and yeah. you know them calling Arizona actually is is a lot of people are using that as like the the tack in the wall as, yeah. as to to Fox News is not someone to be trusted. And again, like I got this is the third time I've said the guy's name. I swear he's not sponsoring me, people. Um, but, but Crowder spent like 15, 20 minutes talking about how you can't trust Fox News. They're the same as yeah. CNN for, for conservatives. Like they just put on this face for the last four years for ratings. And yeah. now over the next four years, they're going to become just another CNN. But, you know, if Trump goes and makes his own channel, there goes Tucker. There goes Hannity. They're all gone. So yeah. it's 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 possible. Actually, you know what? I never really thought about it until you just said it right now that that is actually his ticket to staying relevant, him and his family and his brand, like Trump, the, the, the party has its own, yeah. like it, it could be, it's, it's, it's mass media 
uh, propaganda machine that people will buy into, especially the way people access information nowadays. Yeah. Um, after I'm done talking about this, bro, I am opening a bottle of cognac and drinking it. And not <laughs> talking about. It. I'm not talking about this until we talk about it again. Come the the. I guess it's called the, a runoff. The election. runoff. The runoff yeah. election. So yeah. explain to me and the people what the hell this is. And when I actually like did a little bit of research on it, I was just like, holy shit, this election is far from over. Um, like I was saying to you mm-hmm. earlier, there's almost this after party where almost everything is at stake again. So I guess just explain to the people and, and a dummy like me what this runoff election is and what it means. So the, one of the strange things about American politics is the, the, the rules within states can be very different. And one of those uh, in Georgia, you, if a candidate for Senate doesn't get over 50%, uh, then they have to go into a runoff and the top two from the election go into a, a one-off election against each other. Uh, and it happened in both Senate races in Georgia this time. Both of Georgia seats were up for grabs because their previous senator had retired because he was sick. So they're both no no one got over 50% in either. So they're gonna have to go through to a runoff. And currently the Democrats need two more seats to take the Senate. Now they, now there's two seats still left to call. There's a couple of other ones left to call, but the Republicans are likely to win. Them. Yeah, I think it was a uh, uh, North Carolina because the and Alaska, and Alaska. Yeah, and I think they were saying yeah. the North the North Carolina one would have to be like this ridiculous miracle. Like it's yeah. close, but it would and they were they were favored miracle. to win that. Actually, that was yeah. a surprise. You know, the Democrat was favored to win that, which that and that was the case in a couple of seats. So now it's come down to these two seats and. I think the, the, the sort of conventional wisdom is the Republicans will start as favorites in both. But, you know, Georgia's been a fascinating state this time because it's normally Republican uh, and the Democrats look like they've won it. And a lot of that's down to um, Stacey Abrams and, and her team who've, uh, who've spent the last couple of years in Georgia registering voters. And I think they got an automatic voter registration law passed. So, every, so there's no need for people in Georgia to uh, register to vote. They're just automatically registered. And that's why t- turnout was massive in Georgia and the, and the Democrats have flipped it. So normally in a runoff, you do see a drop in voter turnout because I was looking at a previous one. It was like 60% come the runoff because, you know, there's no president to vote for then. That's already decided. So it's a little less enthusiasm. So I think it's going to come down to who can motivate their base the most is it going to be the democrats so they're going to say listen democrat voters if you we win these two seats we take the senate and then that changes everything or are the republicans going to be the ones to say listen we've got to stop the democrats from taking the senate and you know how much will trump be bothered yeah that's, that's actually thing, a good you know, question is he going to is he going to no, abandon the party that's not really backing him right now on this fraud thing well it or, doesn't it it doesn't, he's got nothing to gain from it really because he's, he's out of office. I think a lot of, we're going to see now how much of his um, campaigning is based around what benefits him or what benefits the party. Uh, So if he stays out of it, that's a big worry for the Republicans because one thing he's very good at is getting people motivated and out to vote. You know, that's why, that's why an endorsement from Trump is a big thing for a Republican because that motivates his base to go and vote for them. If he doesn't do that this time, then the Democrats might well take one or possibly both of those seats. Uh, I think it, it could be, you could see a little bit of a surprise in Georgia and Georgia's been a surprise um, this whole election. And um, 
think in my blog I mentioned that it was a target that, and there was a chance that Democrats might take it. But I didn't see them taking Georgia before they took Florida, for example. But, you know, that's, that's, that's what happens when you've got good people on the ground doing good work, you know, and, um, and, and a motivated base. And if they can keep that going to the runoff, they could take the Senate and all of a sudden the Democrats control the Senate. And uh, I think and that's, that changes that's, everything. It's true. And, and I think that's something um, to just kind of put the cap on things that the Democrats haven't been getting a lot of respect for because, you know, the leading up to the election, the criticism was that these guys, you know, it should have been Bernie. It should have been yeah, or uh, Andrew Yang. It should have been uh, Elizabeth Warren. You know, it could have been somebody that actually like got the base going as it appeared in the media. But mm-hmm. when it really came down to it, they didn't need that Trump type guy, that rally type person. He was kind of servicing what people were voting against. Yeah, and, yeah. it was a referendum on Trump. Yeah, I, I for think sure. I think that very much. So it's kind of like I always thought that. Clinton was a bad choice in 2016 and Sanders would have been a better one because it was an anti-establishment election, which is why Trump won. This time around, I felt, I, I kind of feel like it was a good idea to put someone a little less, you know, someone just who looks rational, but is not too exciting against Trump because that's the contrast you want to make. Cause you know, at this point, Trump's turned so many voters against him. Um, but both of them got massive turnout. So I think Biden was probably a smart choice for this one, as opposed to four years ago, where I think he wouldn't have been a good choice, as Clinton wasn't. Uh, yeah, and I, 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 I liked Elizabeth Warren. I thought she might have done well. Um, Pete too. I'd like to see some of these people involved moving forward. Yeah, yeah Pete Buttigieg, yeah. He's, yeah. he's been quite good recently on media, and I'm sure he'll have a role to play. I think another point I wanted to make was I think the Democrats do really do need to change their leadership. Who's the public face of the party? Yeah, that's true. Um, Biden's only going to serve one term probably, but he's got a ready-made successor in place. And she's Kamala Harris is exactly what the face of the Democrats should be like. She's a female, diverse, uh, diverse backgrounds. She's young. And I think, the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer now are going to yeah. have to be, you know, they're going to have to look seriously at getting in someone, getting in people who just look more like their base. Yeah. You know, it's, it's, if you're going to have just old white people running the party, it's not going to really, <laughs> it's not representative of who votes for them. We're, we're blunt you know, over you here. Likes of let's, let's, and yeah. It's, it's, there's, there's, well, if you look at like Trump won more uh, young black voters and Latino voters this time than last time. Yeah. So if you've got more uh, sort of the likes of Stacey Abrams coming in, Kamala Harris will help because she's got, she comes from partially a black background, partially an Asian uh, background. Uh, you get the likes of uh, Julian Castro in Texas, you know, you want to get people in like this who look like your voters and are younger and more energetic. And I think that's going to be a big thing moving forward is uh, you, your likes of AOC as well. You know, it's you want to be utilizing these people. And I think the likes of Nancy Pelosi and Chuck Schumer, I think their time might be coming to an end yeah. now. Yeah, they Poor Nancy Pelosi spent four years as, as, as a, I don't know, she's been a sponge soaking up criticism from Trump and all that. She's probably, you know, she's, deserved, she's earned her retirement, I think. And she, she's not going to retire just yet, but yeah. I think they need to get someone else in as leader and face of the party. Yeah, because I think, uh, you know, even somebody like Adam Schiff, for example, like, you know, there's, there's still, I don't want to say that they're bad people, but if you're really trying to draw that moderate base that went to Trump now over the next few years, 
These are kind of the hangover of the Trump era from the Democratic side that some people might not have, you know, agreed with, you know, Pelosi for, for all her brazenness and, and, and pushiness. Some people don't like that. Yeah. Um, you know, so, so I think they, they, I think you're right. And whether they go more socialist, not to use that word, because I don't believe that's what's happening in democratic politics in the United States of America, but people are talking about, you know, party keeps going left, going left, going left. I think it should, you know, I, I think yeah. this is an opportunity to roll the dice with that. I believe that Biden will be probably held to account more than any president in history, including Donald Trump. And I think that if you're going to roll the dice on those kind of policies, now's the time to do it. And you know you, that that's, you need the Senate for that. Like, that's, that's just the, it. That's, so that's you took the words, you took the words yeah. out of my mouth. So it was just like that's why this this uh, from what you're saying to me, this this runoff in Georgia is really important because that's literally like the the second last stamp in policy before the Supreme Court, yep. which is going to be held by the Republicans for the foreseeable future. So it's going to be a political tug of war, brother. And, and uh, I'll definitely be linking up with you before this runoff just to kind of preview it and and you know, see what's happening. And then we'll have a chat afterwards, if you'd like. I don't know how many times we rain checked on this one. All, <laughs> all my fault. But uh, I appreciate your patience, brother, man. This was a ton of fun. Yeah, um, no, dude, like, thanks for having me on. It's, uh, it's, it's been a pleasure. And uh, I can't wait to do it again. Tell the people uh, the blog once again. Uh, it's uh, davidrobbo.medium.com. Perfect, and, and I'll, I'll make there's sure there's a few link... bits on there. Yeah, yeah, and I'll uh, I'll make sure the link is in there. You know, similar to the podcast, you know, it, it's it's at its beginning stages more or less too. So it'll yeah. be really interesting to see how the blog grows because, like I said, man, it was my it was my favorite little read uh, to oh, just kind of dive into before the election and to just kind of use as a reference point with the people I work with and yeah. and just like you said, it was. It was really simple for people to understand that really don't get how politics work in America. So keep it up, man. And, and uh, like I was saying to you earlier, we'll, we'll chat after Christmas or something right before this runoff and then maybe do a little follow up after that. Absolutely. My man, thank you Dude, very much. Pleasure. David, man. And uh, you guys have a fantastic, fantastic week before we end up in the second wave. <laughs> on a high note let's finish nah, on i had note, to yeah. man that's the... no dave man i really appreciate this brother. cheers thank chris you, now i appreciate you having me thank you man